This is the post credit scene. Well, so so let me throw these things out there so you can help me remember to come back to them. The okay. midwife metaphor versus spiritual parenting and paternalism. Um, and also your comment about working hard. I'm, I'm working in a, in a context a long time. I'm just trying to cultivate soil. And then all of a sudden, boop, the plant pops out. Mm -hmm. Now what, yeah. which I think is where a lot of people are, uh, which brings me to this conversation of like, how did we get here? I'm always asking that question. How do we get here? Right? Like, how yeah. do we get to this day and age where we have farmed out our spirituality to the pastor mm. or the mm. church leader and people in their own families or their own homes don't know how to do it. Sure. Can you guys remember those three things? So you let me try. go, let me go back to the first one. <laughs> yes. I, I, I like your midwife analogy. You have long you. hair. I've I can, always, yeah, I can see you as, as a midwife. midwife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, in full disclosure, that's not original to us. I mean, that's, that's from Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuits. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's from Seth. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm all about Ignatius. Call the midwife that great ministry podcast. <laughs> I, I, I love Ignatius. I think if I'd have been alive at that time, we'd have been great friends. Um, that was a long time ago. So I don't dislike it. I'm not pushing against sure. it. 16th century. Spirit. But I want to lean into, I don't, like, I can't let go of the spiritual parent piece for a couple of reasons. One is like you watch Paul with Timothy mm -hmm. and Paul with Timothy is he, like he speaks to him in those two books to him or two letters to sure. him. And he says, my son, mm -hmm. my son, my son. But there's also places where like l other letters that he writes later where it's, he uses language like my coworker mm -hmm. where Timothy is I don't, I hate to use the word arrived, but in some ways, like he's been elevated, he's moved on, you know? Um, so there's kind of the biblical perspective, but then there's my own just parenting perspective, mm -hmm. which is, uh, which I, I, I don't want to keep, I feel like people listen to this podcast and like, you keep using the same analogy, but it's like, my kids just don't know stuff. Like I'm having to teach them how to pray. Sure. Like we do our, our prayer when we eat at night and it's the same thing every night. Dear yeah. God, thank you for Mama, Papa, Cash. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. and their eyes aren't closed. They're like looking. I can hear their voice moving around the table if they're yeah. looking at the people. You know, so we're like walking through a, a process now where it's like my job as a parent is to uh, teach you the practice. My job when you get to a different age is to do the practice with you. Sure. And then there's a place where it's like, you're not under my direction anymore. We're like co-laborers in the kingdom. Sure. And I don't think it's like, I, I'm only, I'm not like pushing back against you. I hate, it, I hate it when you fight. <laughs> like, I'm just saying like, what's the, uh, what's the flip side? Is it, yeah. I don't think you're yeah. saying my analogy is bad either. So, well, no, I, you know, I, I would say, and, and we'll talk about this more in the next episode, unless this one just continues forever. But, um, yeah, it probably is just going to be another episode. <laughs> I think the, the images that we have of God are the best metric in ministry. Uh, and it's the question I'm going to always come back to with my church leaders is kind of who or what is God in this season of prayer? How are we experiencing God? Because we almost always relate to God through image or metaphor. 
Absolutely. Like God, God is a father, God is a judge, God is a king, God is a landlord. You know, this is really all we have in scripture are just mm-hmm. metaphors and images. And, and in the same way, that is often how we can conceive of our own role in ministry now, but it's not the only one. And I think particularly when we're working cross-culturally or across an economic divide, we need to be very careful about the parent metaphor, not because it's bad, but because it's dangerous. Because the history of missions mm. is incredibly paternalistic. Yeah, that's fair. And in most of the cultures we're working in, they don't have the same picture and and conception of parenting that we do as Americans. And so the question is, okay, is the image or metaphor of spiritual parenting helping align us with what it is we're trying to form? And sometimes the answer is yes, and sometimes the answer is no. But I've found it helpful for developing a healthier level of responsibility in the disciple maker. These are not your kids. If they don't look like you, that shouldn't upset you because these are God's kids and you're the midwife. Mm-hmm. And I found that a lot of people either take too much responsibility for the, the fruit of what they're producing when they conceive of them as their spiritual children. Uh, it's a tremendous amount of pressure. And it also, in at least in our church networks, has not been very helpful for the way that we want to form leaders. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. That's a contextual decision. Yeah, for sure. And I, I appreciate you saying all those pieces too. I think it is probably important just to note as well, everyone's own individual family narrative. If you got a really bad family narrative, probably shouldn't use that language. <laughs> Definitely true. And yeah. I, I do like the midwife piece. I think I think probably the reason I'm partly reacting to it is my own like uh I I I am controlling. Like I, I recognize that about my personality. And so like I recognize I've taken on too much. And so the mm-hmm. midwife piece is like, oh man. Yeah, if I'd appro- if I had approached things that way, I probably would have responded mm-hmm. earlier on to like other people's own fruit being, you know, elevated and so that is beautiful i appreciate that metaphor so point two is people uh work a long time in a context i I think this is why in some ways it's like this is helpful to be like its own little extra little podcast that we might drop in here it's like people are working a long time you said we focus so hard on those first three phases because we want to be a mission agency and we're early on in our story as the Kansas City underground. We've seen a lot of micro churches emerge, but I think that we are saying now we have to make a shift of focus on yeah. spiritual formation because we've seen so many emerge yeah. Yeah. and we don't want to lose the ground that we've taken, but it's like, what does a person do? Mm-hmm. It's important to recognize when you've been at work a long time in a context and you've mm-hmm. been tilling that soil and then like the fruit begins to emerge. It's like, well, if we're going to use metaphors and continue to use the agrarian thing, it's like at some point the farmer has got to stop thinking about I'm tending the soil. I'm mm-hmm. making sure the soil is good. I'm making sure that like I can plant here and that seed will grow. It's like, well, now, now stuff grew. Yeah. How yeah. do we continue to cultivate to make sure the weeds don't grow up with it? Mm. Well, and if, if we're taking Jesus seriously, the weed and the weeds grow up together. And, and so that's always going to be the case. I think the question is, uh, the fruit that's coming out, are we disciples that are worth reproducing? Mm-hmm. Because I think in our work, you know, for a long time, we, we kind of stepped to, well, not a long time, but in the early years, especially, 
we had taken a step back from a lot of the more monastic kind of discipline stuff. Really just, I think, being a little too rose-colored glasses about strategy. And so the first thing is, like you're saying, we're doing a lot of evangelism. And it's like, we want to see more disciples. And then you have a whole network of dysfunctional new Christians. And you're like, oh, we don't need more people. We need healthier people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want quality or do you want quantity? Yeah. Well, and I don't. I don't think it's an either or. I, yeah, but, I was going to say yes. Right. We want to see the kingdom come in in all of creation. Yeah. Absolutely. And, but are these disciples worth reproducing? Yeah. And if not, what's driving us? Is it the desire for validation? Mm -hmm. Is it is it an unhealthy enmeshment with the the metrics of the ministry that are are meant to affirm and validate me as a disciple maker, rather than saying no, these are these are coworkers with God that are worth reproducing. Yeah, man. So the reason why this is such an important conversation, there's like there's so many reasons, but putting it in the context of new disciple making from the ground up, like if we if we only lean into that, right? We're gonna we're gonna get down exactly the road that you're talking about. You just start, you know, sowing seeds for the sake. I mean, it's like, hey, we had this many people part of discovery. Yeah. This, you know, it's. Like we, but we have to lean into that hard, but we also have yeah. to lean really hard into the spiritual formation piece. And I mean, I'm just looking at the journey of underground the last few years and, and like, I'm blessed by the fact that we don't have all the answers and we get to have a little bit of this just in time. But at the same time, we have to think a little bit in advance because it's like, we don't want to necessarily create a ton of um, crappy disciples that aren't worth <laughs> re reproducing. Yeah. Um, and so what we, we've learned, I mean, so talking to Bree, Couple, few weeks ago about a lot of our ongoing coaching relationships and she's saying okay here are some themes that are coming up a lot and she starts walking through some themes of you know how discovery groups are you know how do how do we how does that become an ongoing spiritual family uh how do we reproduce leaders how we, you know like all these questions that seem to be okay now we're in phase three we're in phase four we're in phase five and it is fun for us to be like okay we wouldn't have got there without leaning yeah. hard in the first three phases. So now we're at like, okay, let's lean into all of that. Uh, but we've got to really figure out this next piece, which is why it's a, a great time to have you on this podcast is just to, yeah, you know, think about that. I appreciate that. You know, I think one of the things we see in the life of Jesus is this rhythm of, you know, he's with people, he's alone with God. He's with people, he's alone with God. And I think uh, that's a rhythm we want to watch for in those we disciple because Jesus doesn't trust a crowd. Uh, and we live in a culture in which the danger of becoming a celebrity pastor, the danger of becoming a thought leader is an idol that we're always bumping up against. And so I want to make sure that the leaders we're forming are more deeply rooted and their identity is coming out of prayer, not the ministry. The ministry needs to be the result of an of a deep rootedness in God, uh, not the place in which that identity is is grounded. Mm. I would say the flip side is also true of uh, you don't the the whole celebrity pastor thing. Not to be people that get caught up in that. Not mm. not to exactly to yes. sit on the other side and go like you have all the answers. You you know like to. So the second thing that just came to mind while you guys were talking about that was the 
maybe a fourth or a fifth point in all of this big long conversation about why s- formation is so important is culture is still going to fight the enemy is still yep. going to fight to form you in other ways yep. oh yeah and I, again i mean i, I never want to get past like discovering jesus in scripture and responding in obedience is important uh but formation in community is so important mm. like let's talk about why community is so important because other people get to look yep. into your life and go it looks like culture might be shaping you in this way do you see this currently yeah, yeah. you're not reading passages about this you're not you know it's like you're alone or whatever the thing is it's like culture is always going to fight to shape us in different ways and if we're not in community being formed uh, with practices that we may not yet know of, yeah. we're missing out on our full formation. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and hopefully I can use this as a as kind of a bookend to move us to the next one. But I, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm, yeah. Uh, and so what we need is a a healthy culture of spiritual formation that is deep enough to position us to where strategy is useful. Mm-hmm. Because if we are not disciples worth multiplying, our strategy is irrelevant. That's so good. I know, it's like I thought you were going to say more, and then it was like, no, that was just profound enough yeah. as it as it was yeah. itself. <laughs> so let me ask one final question, and then this will just be a short episode in between. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for all of those that are listening. That can I inter- can that? I interject here since we're making this like a, a basically a third episode? Um, I want to have a little story with that, kind of what we're talking about, and it's in terms. Of, so I also I, I, not, you can't interject. I have one other thing. I was in. But I'm that's, just that's I'm why just before we move on, <laughs> and I I never want to get into too many details about personal um, groups or micro churches that I'm a part of. But we had this beautiful thing that's been, you know, popping up out of a lot of our new friends and in the last year or two within the school district, and and uh, a lot of what has been. Whoa, sorry, man, I keep drilling Once every an episode. Episode, I drill that the microphone. microphone. Uh, a lot ha- of what is driving spiritual curiosity among some of these parents is their deep desire to see their kids not go down the road of what I mean they just want to they want to see their kids thrive and they're afraid of what culture they're afraid of all the things that parents can be afraid of about their kids and it's it's driving them for spiritual sure. curiosity I mean it's been really cool to have these conversations and what uh, my wife and I were saying the other day when we gathered was like we can try to teach them a bunch of right answers mm. I want to teach my kids how to hear mm. God I mean, like if we put all our eggs in that basket, if they if they can hear the voice of God and they can respond and they can do this as a community of friends as early as first grade or as early as some of the, the youngest kids are like two and three years old in that group, then like, man, that's how to hear versus or here's the right how information. to learn versus. Yeah. Yeah. How to, what, why am I supposed to say that? It's how to think versus what to think. Yeah. Yes. Both how to, yeah, and how to think, but also, um, yeah, what, what. F- like formation of their own minds, their own, you know, life is like, I, I, yeah, a lot of that comes from parenting, but a lot of that's just helping them hear the voice of God, helping them discover the real foundation. And so that, that's just been like, to, that's where the rubber meets the road with children and some of our groups is like, we understand that concept 
it's hard for us to sometimes think of it with other people. Like the parents are in the same spot, honestly. Like I'm approaching all those relationships in the same way as we're approaching the the kids. Is I want oh, I yeah. want the same thing for them because I'm their father and they're my kids. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That was a <laughs> spiritual spiritual that. parenting conversation. Uh, but you know what I mean. That, I think that just is kind of a picture of what you guys are talking about. Yeah, and I yeah. think the the more we live into community, it goes back to you know the the more behavior is caught, not taught anyway. Yeah. So my mom was telling me last night that like our youngest goes and spends a couple of hours with her two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. And so she was driving him home and, uh, they, there was an ambulance that passed. And so he could like see in the back of it, you know, there was somebody on the bed, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always a weird, they should close the back door. I know, man, <laughs> the windows, <laughs> they should close the back door. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So this is on the highway. Where is this? <laughs> So anyway, um, I forget exactly how she said it, but it was, you know, he's saying somebody's back there and she's saying, well, what do you think we should do? You know, should we pray for his healing? And he goes, yeah. And he, then he just started praying. Mm. Like n- no prompting, yeah. you know, like he just goes. And it was a moment where for me, it's like, yeah, proud dad moment. But also like he is picking it up. He's yeah. watching. He's paying attention. He's learning how to speak and how to say words. And it's like, you know, I mean, yeah, you could read Jesus's prayer. This is how you pray, but he can't read yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's picking it up because he's immersed in a culture and he's immersed in a practice. And I think, you know, to to go back to my third point, which was how did we get here? It's like if it's just confined to a Sunday morning, or just confined to an hour a week somewhere and not your whole life, how do you mm. pick up practices? Mm. How yeah. do you catch behavior? You can hear it for 20 or 30 minutes taught on the practice of the principle, but if it's not engaged in real life, it won't become a meaningful rhythm. That's so good. I guess we're done. No, I mean, so, <laughs> so, so that's just like, like yep, it's just not. Like, yeah. So was what's number three? Is that? Yeah, it's just more how do we get here? And I guess I'm like, yeah. I don't even remember why that point came up. It was something you guys were saying 20 or 30 minutes ago. <laughs> but it was like, man, we're, you know, we're, 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 cult- we're in a paradigm now where we're trying to cultivate soil and see new disciples made. Yeah. And we're recognizing, okay, but we can't neglect ongoing spiritual formation in community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The church in the West for the last however long, the, at least what we've been a part of, which is what we're continuing to talk about, is like we're a part of it in a way where we were just on the soul care mm-hmm. formation, and we're saying we're recognizing in that model we probably left off all of the first three phases yeah. of the extraordinary prayer and listening and the living like a missionary and the planting the gospel, even though we trained around that sometimes it just wasn't done in a way that was, Mm. you know what I mean? Like we leaned towards spiritual formation. We're saying like, man, if we want to be a disciple making movement again, like what Damien's talking about and really recapturing the ways of Jesus it's both. Yeah. It's, it's holistic. It is a radical commitment to prayer, missional living, incarnational living, gospel planting, gospel demonstration, but it's also a radical commitment to ongoing mm-hmm. spiritual formation. Yeah. And, and then we get to rediscover a bunch of other problems. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, we, we have a lot of problems in this way of thinking. It is actually, in many ways, way messier. 
Right. I mean, you can speak to that, Seth, like crazy. I'm sure just working with so many um, unchurched people from all these different backgrounds and messy backgrounds and hard backgrounds. And so like, yeah, yeah it is. It is messy. I think what is, I don't in, interesting to think about is like we are, as we talk about that spiritual parenting versus midwife concept, we want to simultaneously do two things. We want people missionaries, everyday missionaries to realize that it's not up to you. You, you, you're, that's not your baby. You're helping in the process, right? That's, that's so true. While at the same time, we're trying to say it's not up to the pastor. It's up to you. Does that make sense? Like we're saying you can't just like farm out your disciple making and it's, you know, the pastor will just do it from the stage. So it's that it's in that such a weird thing where it's on you in the sense of, you're the one who has those relationships. You are equipped in every way that this other person is because the same spirit of God dwells in you than dwells in that yeah. pastor. So go do, you can do this, but you know, you, but you, don't it, own them, but it's not you. You're, you're the midwife. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that is a tension yeah. and we can lean oh, too yeah. far in either way, but that's just striking yeah. me. Well, and the, you know, the, the first discipline I work with our church leaders on in prayer is what we talk about is aimlessness. So we're going to say, okay, prayer is not a means to an end. It's an end unto itself. Mm. And in the contemplative life, particularly prayer is often not going to feel productive because the goal is not to produce anything. Mm. I am not trying to manufacture an experience, a spiritual experience. I am not trying to manipulate the experience of God. And in fact, I cannot manufacture a spiritual experience. Yeah. I cannot manufacture the presence of God in my own prayer life. And I can't manufacture it for anybody else either. Mm. And so prayer is often going to feel unproductive it's going to feel boring i'm going to have to deal with interior experiences of grief and pain mm. and fear that i would rather not pay attention to and it is going to have this kind of sense of aimlessness because the goal is to be quiet and pay attention to god so that at least for this period of my day god gets to be who god wants to be mm. without me trying to take hold of the wheel and control that yeah. And if I can learn to attend to that, to God in that way in prayer, hopefully I can attend to God when I'm not in prayer. And so all of a sudden, what would be very reactive and unreflective ministry decisions start to actually come out of this time of listening and patience where I'm going to take this time in my day every day to let God be God and remember that this I don't have a mission in the world and the things that I want to see happen need to be a reflection of God's vision, not my own quest for fulfillment and validation through the ministry. Yeah. Oh man. I can honestly say that I had never have experienced that until a few months ago. And I, and like I've followed Jesus and loved a lot of my life and I've been in ministry and I rely on, but like in my own prayer life, it wasn't till this summer. Uh, when I got a, a season to step away for a while and just be that, I'm like, I learned what it meant to have a like a non-agenda focused time of prayer. I've heard people talk about such crazy concepts, <laughs> but to actually just be with God and let Him, and then like, and I started for the first time ever in my life craving it. Mm. You know, like I, I hate to admit that I was a follower of Jesus and a leader for so long, and like I did never really craved being alone with the Lord. I did it and there was good things that came out of it. And there are times that even when I was like diving into the word and really liked it, but to really just be with the father, I just never really, I didn't like, 
I was way more excited about the K-State game going to be that night than I was, you know, and, and I can honestly say now that it's like I, I set aside, you know, every morning to be with the Lord, but there's a, there's a specific, you know, Tuesday mornings that I set for hours. I got no agenda to be with God. And I, I just, in my schedule, I work a lot on the weekends. That's just the, something I get to do. And I legitimately look forward to it. I go to bed the night before thinking, oh, I get to like just chill with the Lord tomorrow. I mean, it's, it, that is, dude, I'm 30, almost 38 years old, been in ministry since I was 21. And I just discovered this in my life. So I hope that's encouraging to you all uh, listening. It's like, oh man, if Corey's sucks that bad at this and then you know like and he has a podcast because that's that's what validates that's what what validates my ministry is that i have a podcast that's right but i might edit that piece out so i just i just think there's a lot of uh so much wisdom to what you're saying and how we just talk about prayer in general it's just it's not about just getting things done doing it but actually being with the father and there is some awkwardness with it like that, that can happen. Uh, pressing through that and really being with the Lord is it is it's a game changer. We teach people from day one to experience prayer in that way. Um, we really, you know, it's like paving the way for God to do what God does, and not just us strategize our way into new disciple making. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, so uh, before we get into this practice, I have three more points. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.